from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company with Jonathan Von Tobel, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, you heard it. Only one name in the intro uh, because it's just me, JVT. Uh, nobody alongside. I will be flying solo. A little bit of a shortened show as well today for all of you out there. Uh, on until about 4 p.m. And we'll hand it off. And uh, Paul Howard will be up later this evening, 6 p.m. Pacific time for that William Hill preview show. But I'm all by myself. It's a lonely day. It's a lonely day. But we do have a really good slate of guests today as well. Uh, we're going to touch on the Final Four aspect of things. Chris Plank, host of Sooner Radio Network, Fox Sports Radio as well, is going to be with us. I'd call it about 15 minutes or so. Discuss a lot going on uh, in the Big 12. A lot to discuss, obviously. The Oklahoma connection with UNLV, with Kevin Kruger taking over, Lon Kruger coming back home to retire put in air quotes. Uh, of course, we have a lot of other connections as well, including one named Jalen Hill, who keeps getting tied to the program, although I haven't seen that he has entered the transfer portal. So we'll talk about that much more with Plank. Big 12 also a rep in the final four. We also have our path to the draft. That's what we're calling it, right? Ari, thumbs up, path to the draft. Uh, Darren Urban is going to be with us, Arizona Cardinals reporter. A lot to discuss. Arizona's got a really interesting pick at 16 and a lot of interesting holes on the roster to fill. And then finally, Fridays mean football Fridays with Stanford Route. Really good conversation with Stanford Route, including the continued narrative around black quarterbacks. Surprising, Justin Fields is not a worker. Shocking. All of a sudden, Justin Fields is the uh, last guy in, first guy out. But we'll talk about all that and much more with Stanford coming up in the second hour. So for those who are listening right now, I need you to know the gravitas of this moment. I am a Las Vegas local through and through. Right, was born in Santa Ana, but the the, the Von Tobles have a lot of ties to Las Vegas. You know, um, my family was out in Southern California at the time of my birth, obviously, but came back. Von Tobel's one of the first 100 families. We got the community center, the junior high. This is not me telling you, by the way, how great my family is and whatnot. But growing up, and you know, the moment when I found out what I wanted to do with my life, my one dream, Ari was to have a platform on ESPN Las Vegas and my own platform at that. And look at this. For the first time in my career, I'm hosting all by myself. Now it might not be my show. This is a big moment for me. I'm not being sarcastic. You're laughing. I'm not being sarcastic. This is a very big moment for me. I'm not laughing like at you. I think it's great. I just think it's fun like that you're taking over. I like it. Okay, you sound very sincere. You sound extremely sincere. So, like, this is all I want. Like, look, growing up, there's times too when I would call in to ESPN Las Vegas to share my hot takes. Uh, I was never, by the way, uh, I remember one of the more vivid ones that I remember is calling in, thinking that the Raiders had a really good shot. I think it was after the year they went like six and zero under Hugh Jackson in the division because they like got Jason Campbell, and I was like, ah, you know, I think the Raiders got a really good shot. Jason Campbell provides some stability at the quarterback position, and I think they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, much like actually this caller right here, I, I was just a, a sports radio fan, Ari, and I just wanted to call in and give my opinion like this guy. You can just simply pitch around Ramirez, keep walking him, don't give him anything to hit. The next guy, the good pitch is down the middle, he won't swing at, but the ball's down around his ankles, he hits the shortstop into a double play. This has been going on for two years. This very upset caller, but you call in, you give your takes. And my dream was, you know what? I want to get calls like that. 
And I want to have these clean, nice, wonderful discussions, uh, much like we see all around the country. Hell, Bruce Drennan, he hosts that Cleveland Indians radio show. He took that caller. He listened to what he had to say, and he calmly responded. Right. Uh, I guess you missed a lot of the games that Reyes hit in the clutch last year, huh? No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're an no, idiot. No. You're an idiot and you don't know baseball. I'm you're not gonna, an idiot. No, you are an idiot. Listen, no, you're going to tell me you are judging. You don't know anything. You don't know squat, you stupid idiot. You're going to tell me you're going to make a judgment on the season after one game in 30-degree weather. That proves what an ignoramus you are. Get off our show. Yes. That was what I wanted to be. Every single bit of that. Just screaming at callers. You moron. You have no idea what you're talking about. Get off my show. Oh, I've wanted to do it so many times. Now, I feel like I'd be much nicer to callers. I think I have in the past. Now, I've been in an RE situation where, you know, sometimes, you, let's put it this way. When you guys call into the producer, let's keep it short. All right? Chop it up. Let's go. We got things to do. Especially Ari, where he's got like a million things to do in a cramped up little space. Well, I guess it's not that cramped anymore because Steve and Adam and everybody else are never in there. But still, regardless, this has been a dream of mine. Now, I will say, I think there's probably a lot of people at this point that sound much like Bruce there. Bruce being the host. You stupid idiot. You moron. When referring to Major League Baseball. Because Major League Baseball made a move today. And, uh, you know, we saw this a lot in hockey, right? When the kneeling started to take place and... You know, a lot of players started to become outspoken. My sport? Not my sport. Why is this doing? What is this doing in my sport? Well, Major League Baseball, uh, they have brought this to the forefront. Again, your sport has decided to make a move. Major League Baseball announced today that the All-Star game has moved from Georgia due to the controversial voting law in the state. Announced uh, via a statement in the statement from Major League Baseball. It reads as so because... We need an official word from the league itself. Commissioner Robert Manfred, quote, over the last week, we have engaged in thoughtful conversations with clubs, former and current players, the Players Association, and the Players Alliance, among others, to listen to their views. I have decided the best way to demonstrate our values as a sport is by relocating this year's All-Star Game and Major League Baseball draft. Major League Baseball fundamentally supports voting rights for all Americans and opposes restrictions to the ballot box. So it goes on, uh, the statement. It is a very lengthy one, and there has been no uh, announcement yet as to what city is going to step in and take the place of Atlanta in the All-Star game. This is the new norm, right? Leagues now are listening to their players, listening to the people that they represent, and are making moves. We all remember what happened with the NBA All-Star game in Charlotte a few years back, Right? And I know a lot of people, we, look, we're ESPN Las Vegas. Hell, I'm a 30-year-old millennial who just got into politics four or five years ago, okay? So I'm not going to preach the details of the Georgia voting law that makes absentee voting harder, creates restrictions and complicates some, some things in the wake of, you know, a narrow loss for the state to Democrats, Right. There's some things I will be perfectly honest with that I don't agree. Like patently, you know, I know a lot of people are, are clinging to the voter ID. Why is it so racist to want a voter ID? Well, there's also the cutting down of ballot boxes by a large amount. 
There is the fact that you're making uh, making it a risk. It was, I think, it's a small misdemeanor charge to uh, help people in line, right, by distributing water and the like, which is part of this new law. When in a lot of these situations, we know it's going to be relatively warm, sitting out in very long lines, waiting to vote. And there's a lot of things that are part of this law that really work against the voter, in my opinion. Again, won't break it all down, but at the end of the day. This is going to be the new norm for leagues. And already you see a lot of, well, uh, guess what? I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not watching Major League Baseball. That's fine. Baseball is going to be fine, right? Everybody talked about the National Football League and the fact that, hey, the NFL, I'm not watching. You're going to suffer. You'll see. And they saw all the way to a new rights deal for Thursday Night Football with Amazon. Major League Baseball is going to be fine. Sports fans, it looks like you're going to have to get used to this new norm where Major League Baseball and just leagues in general will listen to their players and take steps that they believe represent the values of their players, which, by the way, as we know, disproportionately minorities in a lot of these sporting leagues. So I think there's a, maybe a conversation to be had that Major League Baseball, in terms of their viewership skewing much older, this potentially having some sort of effect. I don't think it is. We we see all the time big talk and nothing really done of it. And especially in this past year where I think people are really dying to get out to some baseball games, especially sports fans. We see, hell, you saw it just yesterday, opening day. A lot of these crowds, they're packed. A lot of people out there. So maybe there is a conversation we had that an older demographic in Major League Baseball will actually do something after MLB announced that they're going to move the All-Star game. But I think this is, again, as we have discussed, a lot of people are going to get mad. There's going to be a lot of bluster. And for one, I commend Major League Baseball and any one of these leagues to come out and take a stand in something that they personally believe in. And especially, again, as you listen to the statement, listening to the people that they represent in terms of their players' associations and clubs and making that stance known and taking those actions to show their players that they support them and listen to them. We're not done with Major League Baseball either. We'll talk a little bit about yesterday too. I mean, from a sports betting perspective, like, like again, I don't know how you bet on anything but first fives with the way that these bullpens have been acting up. Uh, but when we come back here on Cofield and Company, uh, let's get into a little college hoops. Chris Plank, again, Fox Sports Radio, Sooner and Radio Network as well. Plank show up on Twitter. We're going to discuss the Oklahoma connection here with the UNLV basketball job, Big 12, of course, in the Final Four. It's Cofield and Company, JBT, flying solo here on a Friday. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. studio. All right, Cofield and Company, but no Steve Cofield, no Adam Hill. It's actually just me, JVT, flying solo for the day. Off the air a little early today, 4 o'clock. Uh, we will be all done here. But we do have some breaking news, and it's perfect timing for our next guest, Chris Plank. Nice enough to give us some time. Sooner Radio Network, Fox Sports Radio at Plank Show up on Twitter. Uh, well, Chris, over the last you know 24 hours, reports started coming out. Porter Moser, leading candidate at Oklahoma. Uh, another report about five hours ago that a six-year offer was on the table, but that he was, quote, on the fence. Uh, but as of 10 minutes ago, one report out here saying that Oklahoma is uh, on the verge of announcing that Porter Moser will be their next head coach. John Rothstein came out, added to the report, saying they're closing in. Nothing is done, but it is headed in the direction of a marriage. So, Chris... As we sit right now, if it's Porter Moser, your thoughts? Because holy crap, you go from Lon Kruger to Porter Moser. Uh, what a what a coaching duo to have as an Oklahoma Sooners basketball fan. Yeah, and uh, 
I really appreciate you having me on because it's hilarious that the timing of this is just, you know, no, no knock on pure luck, right? I mean, I, would, mm-hmm. I was going to come on here and tell you guys about the greatness of, of Kevin taking over and you know, keep an eye on uh, some of the potential transfers. And, of course, I could always talk about my beloved Raiders, but boom. We get hit with breaking news right off the uh, right off the top of the interview. Man, I'll tell you what I I love the idea when this vacancy first rose for Oklahoma when it first kind of started to uh, it, it kind of become apparent that Lon Kruger was done right and that he was he was going to step away and retire. And I'll be honest with you, um, I I don't think anyone at the end of the season had an inkling that that was a possibility outside of Lon and his very close circle. But those of us who cover the team, those of us who are around the team. I don't think anyone kind of had an inkling that that was going to be a move that Lon wanted to make. So uh, I was really surprised whenever I saw Lon Kruger decide to walk away, especially with this recruiting class they had coming in. But, you know, when you hear Coach talk about it, it makes more sense that as soon as, as that job became available, I mean, Porter Mosier was the very first name that came to my mind because, I mean, hell, look what he's done at Loyola of Chicago. I know there was a stint that didn't go so well at Illinois State. There's a handful of people and in this area that are really holding it against him. But, hey, I mean, he, he's getting it done at Loyola of Chicago. Now you obviously you, you go into a situation at Oklahoma where, man, look at the coaches in this conference now. I mean, you guys know about what's going to be happening at Iowa State better than anyone. Uh, Chris Beard just shifting from Tech to Texas, and we'll see what Tech does. But, you know, throw Porter Mosier in the mix with a guy who's got a team in the Final Four and Scott Drew. Uh, Bill Self, who just got a lifetime contract, apparently can never be fired for show cause. I mean, this is, this is as electric of a group of coaches you'll have. And you're right, nice, smooth transition from a guy like Kruger to someone like Porter Mosier. I'm really excited if it happens. I, I hope it does. And my yeah, phone, and by the way, it's, it's my phone, I'm sorry, it's like blowing up. So I'm imagining that this thing has just become <laughs> official, <laughs> to be honest well, with you. And it's funny, too, because at least in terms of the transition, like you, Steve and I talk about this all the time in the at least in the the realm of football. Right. Like I'm a Colts fan. Uh, I was you know, I, I got to watch Peyton Manning play football for a long time. And then after one down year, they stumbled into Andrew Luck. Like to get right. this kind of a transition as a fan base is absolutely spectacular. Let me ask you this. It's funny. Every time we see moves like this. Uh, we get like kind of the noise on social media. Everybody has a voice now. Uh, if I read you a tweet that says, I get this is technically a step up, but couldn't you have picked a better destination if you're Porter Moser? Uh, what do you say to people who don't really understand the the basketball history of Oklahoma? Yeah, I mean, I, I can I can completely understand that. And uh, especially if you've just, you know, I'm immersed in it, man. I'm, I, I live Oklahoma Sooner Athletics just about every single day of my life. So to me, um, this is this is Billy Ball. This is... Wayman Tisdale, and I know that those are, are relics now. We're going back a long way, but you know this program is five years removed from a Final Four and, uh, and, and the hottest shooting of performance I've ever seen from a Villanova team. Names like like Buddy Heald that that came through here, and Blake Griffin. You know this is this has been a place that has developed some superstars recently. So I can understand where someone might think that and, and think that Porter Mosier. I mean, because you know allegedly he didn't talk to Indiana and. You know, Oklahoma's coach left for Indiana, you know, about 15 years ago. So I can completely understand where you look at it and think, huh, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But uh, this, is a, this is a school that obviously is a football school, but it's very committed to basketball. I mean, if Porter Mosier is taking this job, obviously there's a big financial commitment that's being made. I'll tell you what, I mean, there needs to be something done about the home of the Sooners, the Lloyd Noble Center. Mm-hmm. I use the term relic. I think it's a little bit beyond that, but you know, maybe there's something in the plans. Maybe there's something in the works. I know they're trying to build a new softball stadium and a, 
and a renovation of the baseball stadium, but maybe part of this for Mosier is an opportunity to see something relatively new coming up from a facility perspective. So, yeah, no, sure. I mean, I, I can completely understand where someone might say he, he chose Oklahoma and didn't talk to Indiana and, and wasn't really in the mix of Texas, but, hey, I, I'll tell you what, there's not a guy that's better at, at selling it than, than Joe Castiglione, and I'm pretty sure that he bought into what Porter Mosier wants to do, and I'm sure Porter Mosier truly bought into Josie's vision for what this program could be. So obviously this is a pretty fresh move, and we don't know what's going to happen for the most part with uh, with a lot of the players and uh, with Kruger's move obviously still pretty fresh too. Uh, let me ask you this. In terms of where we were standing right now with the roster, you know, out here, is when we're going to get into uh, one of the new additions to the staff as well. Uh, one of the names, though, that keeps popping up is a kid in Jalen Hill, of course, went to Clark out here. Uh, Jalen Hill specifically, do you expect this to be a, a potential transfer situation? What do you make of the roster? What are you expecting in terms of uh, general lick the finger, stick it in the wind, what this roster could look like for Porter Moser? Dude, I, I wish I had an answer for you on what the Sooner yeah. roster might look like because it is the ultimate blank slate, right? I Someone had sent me a list that one of the one of the Vegas dudes had pointed out that said, keep an eye on these potential transfers for Vegas, and it had like yeah. Austin Reeves and – uh, I think um, I think Brady Manick was on there as well too. But the see, I, Austin Reeves is turning pro. He's not going anywhere. He's going to try to play professional basketball. And I know Brady Manick just put his name into the transfer portal. But you know, I I, I don't see Manick as a guy that could end up at UNLV. Could be wrong, but but you never know. Jalen Hill and Victor Ibukor were always the two guys that I thought could end up being in Vegas, being at UNLV. And obviously, with Kevin taking over. Uh, and and the, the the staff that he's already in the process of putting together, there's a lot of familiarity with guys like that, so it's a natural fit. I'll tell you what, if um, it, it's going to be tough for Jalen because you've got a choice to make. You can you can stay here at, and, and again, I don't know how quickly these slots are filling up uh, for, for for Vegas right now, but I know Oklahoma is a complete blank slate. I mean, right now you look at the roster, and there's maybe four guys, five guys that you feel good that are going to be back next year. I mean, the best returning player, and Davion Harmon has put his name in the NBA draft pool. Now, he can still pull that out, but he's put his name in there. And, you know, Jalen Hill has a chance to not only continue to be a starter, but be a star on this team. But does Jalen Hill feel more comfortable with Carlin Hartman and ends up making the move back home and playing there? Because this dude, listen, he's, he's got some work to do. But my man is a highlight reel just waiting to happen. He can dunk it from anywhere, uh, and he's a really good defender. So I, I'll tell you what, if, if Jalen Hill ends up in Vegas, I would not be surprised one bit because that's his hometown. The two guys that I targeted from the moment that Kevin Kruger took that job were Jalen Hill and Victor Ewakor. Uh, and who knows, you know, with Carlin Hartman, maybe there might be more that end up. But, uh, yeah, I definitely would keep an eye on Jalen as one of those dudes. Yep. So you, you mentioned Hartman. So tell people uh, who maybe aren't familiar with Carlin Hartman and his background what they're getting on, on the staff here. Stud. Just just a stud. I mean, I, I'll tell you what. I um, Carlin Hartman was a guy with Chris Crutchfield that probably was one of the best one-two combinations in recruiting. And Crutch ended up taking a head coach's job uh, at a smaller college. And Carlin stuck around. And JVT, I mean, he is just He's the ultimate in, in recruiting and in a people person and a basketball junkie. I mean, that, that's a nice little trio to have, right? Solid recruiter, loves basketball, uh, and, and loves this, and, and, and just absolutely good, good, funny person. So, Car- I, I'll tell you, whenever, 
whenever Kruger took this to whenever I keep calling him by every name, but Kevin Kruger, whenever <laughs> Kevin took this job and coach Kruger took this job, you know, I, I had honestly assumed that Lon would still be at OU and that Carlin wouldn't be someone that might go out to Vegas. But as soon as Lon retired, I started thinking, you know, Carlin would be a really good fit with Kevin to help him out, especially on the recruiting side. And then I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if Mike Shepard isn't a dude that comes over and runs his operations, the longtime director of ops for Lon Kruger. But, you know, in, in Carlin, you're going to love him. You're going to love talking to him. Um, I, I just, you know, it's a big loss for Oklahoma. You know, I, and, and you bring in Porter Mosier, and he's going to have his guys that he wants to bring in. But Carlin Hartman is one of those assistants that meant a lot to this program. And, you know, you, you kind of knew that whenever Lon retired, there's going to be guys like Jim Molinari and Pooh Williamson who are on that staff, and you just don't know what their futures hold. But in, in Carlin Hartman, man, I'd, I'm really excited for you guys to get a chance to be around him uh, and and watch him coach and watch him recruit. He's going to get some ballers to come out there and play in Vegas, that's for sure. We're chatting with Chris Plank, host of Fox Sports Radio on the Weekend Sooner Radio Network at Plank Show up on Twitter discussing uh, the breaking news uh, of the day. Sources have confirmed that Loyola's Porter Moser is going to take that uh, job at Oklahoma deal in the works of being finalized. So Big 12, you mentioned it. Look, Big 12 is uh, obviously it's having a fantastic season. We have Baylor as arguably one of the best teams in the country. We'll see what they have to say against Gonzaga. If they can get there, they do have a pretty big matchup uh, coming up in the Final Four. So let me ask you that. Your evaluation of Baylor and especially this matchup against Houston because you know, I see this matchup, and I just think one thing, Chris, the dump and chase garbage offense that Houston – I shouldn't say garbage, but the – the dump and chase. That's it, man. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, just this kind of junk offense where it's just throw it up, clean up the glass, get offensive boards, and score on second chance points. Now, that's not going to work against Baylor. No, no. It's, uh, you know, in, in these here parts, um, for some reason, Scott Drew has always been criticized. And I don't know what it is. I, I'm sure there's a 30 for 30 at some point to where he couldn't coach or he can't be this or he's this, he's that. To me, Scott Drew has always been a guy that's almost too good to be true, and maybe that's part of it. I mean, you look at what he's done with his assistants, and the, the, you know, he had two guys, that, actually three guys, that ended up winning tournament games this year. So he's, he's pretty special. He's got arguably one of the best defensive basketball teams that I've seen. And rebounding, you know, you, you're going to throw that up and hope a guy can go up and get it. Mark Vidal's going to be there to get physical with you. Uh, we're, I, I hope, man, that we're getting this matchup that we've been due all season long yeah. in college basketball, right? I hope we're getting this Baylor-Gonzaga matchup. It was supposed to happen in December. COVID issues kind of shuttered the matchup. And, I mean, I, listen, I love Kelvin Sampson. I covered Kelvin Sampson from just about day one when he, when he was at Oklahoma. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about some of the guys on his staff being candidates for this job between, before apparently Porter, Porter Mosier got hired and Kellen Sampson, his son, who's an assistant. Hollis Price is a former Sooner that's his director of development. Uh, Qantas White is on that staff. Anyway, I, the, the point is I really like Kellen, Kelvin Sampson, and I love what he coaches. But I just I don't think that they can match up with Baylor. And that's not to say this game is going to be a 20-point blowout, but you're right. That kind of ugly offense that they run, it's going to be tough. Now, that's not to say Quentin Grimes can't get hot, and the next thing you yeah. know, you look up and he's got like 20, and it's a tight game, but – you know, with, with Davion Mitchell, I think he can go shot for shot with Quentin Grimes. So, yeah, B- Baylor's really good, man. It, it's been a hard thing for me to swallow as someone who, you know, whenever he's not working and being as unbiased as he can, really cheers for Oklahoma. But every single time when Baylor took the court, they were the elite team. Right? They were the best team. And I, I think that happened in every single matchup they had this season, even in the games they lost. So uh, they finally got their legs back. The COVID break sucked. 
They had a weather issue that shut down almost the whole state of Texas for a week and cost them a few games. But they're peaking at the right time, and I'll tell you what, that's going to be that's going to be an ugly matchup. If you're a fan of pretty offensive-oriented basketball, that's going to be ugly for a bit on yep. Saturday afternoon at two o'clock for you guys. But yeah, I, I think Baylor's the more complete team. I think they'll roll. He's Chris Plank again, host Fox Sports Radio, Sooner Radio Network. Get him on Twitter at Plank Show. Chris, we're up against it, but thanks for some time and some insight, yeah. man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, JBT man, you call me anytime. I love you guys. I appreciate you having me on. You guys have a great Easter weekend. Thanks a lot, man. You too. Really appreciate it. Again, Chris Plank at Plank Show on Twitter. All right, we'll take our break here. Uh, Ari, very, very, very excited because Dustin Poirier has signed a deal for the McGregor Trilogy. He's stoked that it looks like John Jones and Francis Ngannou have potentially worked out the issues. He's losing it. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. It's Cofield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. It's John Von Tobel filling in for Steve Cofield. Uh, no co-host. All right, it's just me and Ari. We're just riding together. Uh, a little bit of an early break today as well. Uh, Bill, we, to, we will be with you only until about 4 o'clock, and then we'll hand it off to the, uh, the giant that is ESPN Radio. I also have a massive problem here. Something just popped up on my timeline, and it made me think because we have a lot of weird things in this world that we get hung up on. And I just realized, Ari, that there is something out there that I think a lot of people have a problem with that I did not know was so prevalent. A lot of people hate crinkled fries, like crinkle-cut fries. A lot of people dislike them, my wife being one of them. like She just won't even eat crinkle-cut fries from a certain certain chicken place that, you know, sells fingers and has a very famous sauce. But, like, she just doesn't like crinkle-cut fries, and I have just never understood the hate for crinkle-cut fries. I I was one of those people, and then I became an adult. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, when I was younger, they, they bothered me. They're fine, and the place that you're talking about, I actually, I think they're really good. Well, and there's another place that is, uh, we'll call it in English, of the taco or of taco, um, that has fantastic crinkle cut fries. Has some of the best fries on the planet. Yeah, you lost me. I'll, no, I'll fight anybody <laughs> on this. And also, by the way, sneakiest best burger on a menu ever. Oh, trust me. Never had one. I'm, I'm not a big fan. If if we're talking about the same place, the 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 Dell. Yeah, yeah we're Dell. talking about the same place. All right. Yes. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of it in general. So one of the best sneaking fast food menu items ever is the the double Dell. But regardless. It leads to this giant topic of the hate for crinkle-cut fries, and I've never really understood it. Personally, if we're eliminating, because this came up, it was a tweet, you know, which type of fry would you eliminate if we had to? I would eliminate the classic fry. I think the classic straight fry is the worst. I would order, now, the other one that gets a bad rap is steak fries. I would order steak fries every time. Fat fries, where it's called in some spots. You're in on fat fries? You're in on steak fries? No, well, I'll eat them, but no, I'm actually the opposite. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of steak fries. God, you're, you're the worst. I'm the worst. <laughs> but steak fries, crinkle cut fries, sweet potato fries, crisp cut fries, curly fries. I'd order all of those over classic fries. So I believe that classic fries are the worst type of fries and that we could do without them. Now, what do you got? I would like to uh, throw tater tots in there personally. I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for that, but. Not a fan. 
okay, yeah, now you just suck. And I also <laughs> don't know if they they fall into the category of French fries. So we're not going to include that as this part of this conversation. Tater tots are one of the most incredible inventions ever known to mankind. Uh, one of, like, just putting two things together like that, right? Fried and potatoes, just putting them together and to make tater tots. Uh, much like Dana White has taken John Jones and Francis Ngannou and put them together. After a very nice, I guess, is it like a dinner? What, like what happened here? So it looks like John Jones tweeted this out, that it's all done. We're all good. The 8 to 10 million wasn't enough. So guess what? From Johnny Jones up on Twitter, actually it's Johnny Bones, just had a great dinner and the best conversation I've had with Dana in a very long time. I think he meant in a very long time. We got the deal done. Date to be announced soon. Dana White responds, incredible night, brother. So it looks like we're getting it. John Jones, Francis Ngannou. I don't know what I'm more excited for. That or Poye and McGregor 3, which according to one report, by the way, you know it's, I know Steve hates this phrase. You know, it's a slow news day when Poye McGregor is the top story on ESPN. And I get it. They have the deal with ESPN, with UFC, and they have to promote it. But when that's your top story, it's a relatively slow day. Uh, but Dustin Poye has apparently signed his contract for the trilogy vowed against Conor McGregor. It's going to be taking place at UFC 264. I don't know which one I'm more excited for. I think it's Poye and McGregor because I'm a massive Dustin Poye fan. And John Jones, I guess when you're just kind of out of the limelight for the most part, you it gets a little, I guess, stale. But I very much look forward to seeing Francis Ngannou and John Jones go at it. So these are two absolutely fantastic fights. Now, of course, Rose Namajunas and Wei Li Zhang is at the top of my list. That fight's going to happen, and I cannot wait. Uh, by the way, we're getting submissions up on social media. Uh, Willie Ramirez checks in. Uh, Willie, if you are still listening, uh, that tweet that you sent to me, which I just retweeted, go to me, JVT, that is what inspired the conversation of the bad rap that crinkle cut fries get very bad rap very much think that they should be considered one of the top end fry shapes that are out there now the smiley the smiley face shaped fries you know what i'm talking about you know like those potatoes like they're they you ever seen those those are pretty good those are those are relatively good you should try them but a little over a little overrated a little overrated now not overrated as mixed martial arts for those of you who have listened, no, especially on Mondays with Adam, we like to do a little bit of, of mixed martial arts conversation. Not a lot, but every once in a while, especially after some relatively big fight cards, we'll have analysis. Love mixed martial arts. Love the violence of mixed martial arts. Sometimes you get a little over the top, though. The, I don't know how many have seen it. Ari, I can send you a really graphic picture of this. Would you like to tweet this out on the account? Is there a way I can do it without looking at it? I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm getting um, it up right now. No, I'm talking about a graphic picture, though. So for those who didn't see this, the uh, CFFC, uh, of course, the Cage Fury Fighting Championships. One of their fight cards went down the other night. And one of their fighters, who I'm, I'm going to try to pronounce his name. I'll probably butcher it because I am an uncultured swine. Ketog Pilev lost a finger. According to Aaron Braun... <laughs> Bronstetter, up on Twitter, they just made a PA announcement at CFFC 94 that they are trying to locate a fighter's missing finger. It evidently fell off into his glove during the bout and is missing somewhere in the venue. Kedog Pilev 
Went to the corner between rounds. Noticed that his finger was missing. Again, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Color commentator CM Punk. Quote, it wasn't a compound fracture, a break. It wasn't a dislocation, a laceration. His finger is just gone. It's gone. There are pictures that are out, Ari, where they're showing this. It is like ripped off clean to the bone. Like you can see his bone. It's And they found, by the way, they found it in his glove. Ugh. It, Dude. I'm not that squeamish, but I saw the picture of the exposed bone. Oh my god! And how did how that happens? I d- didn't see a lot of blood, so I don't like I don't even know what was going on. Again, at ESPN Las Vegas, Ari just tweeted this out. He got his finger ripped off. Are you squeamish? I'm like you, yeah. I mean, I can I could take some stuff, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's why I was like, yeah, I'll just put this uh, PG-13 one up here on on the ESPN. I don't I don't want to look at it. This is not going to go well in my my um, my campaign to make my son a mixed martial arts fighter. I'm thinking I'm just going to hide this story from my wife. She doesn't have to know about this one. Good news though, by the way, it has been reported that the finger has been reattached, so that's a good thing. Finger is back on. And again, ooh. and think about this too. Like the force in which to not only rip the finger off, rip it off the bone, but the skin as well. Like your skin is super elastic. Like to have enough force to just rip it like paper. Look, all right. That's it. I can't do it anymore. I can't. We will move on from the disgusting finger talk. Uh, but much better than gross finger talk uh, would be draft talk. Darren Urban's going to be with us, Arizona Cardinals reporter, azcardinals.com. Uh, I think the Arizona Cardinals are a fascinating team to watch here in the draft. They plugged up a good chunk of their holes with a lot of moves, but a lot of the moves are kind of like like names that we recognize, but on the tail end of their career, what does this mean for Arizona, their draft position, what they're going to look at? Darren Urban's going to be with us next to answer those questions on our path to the draft. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. It's time for Cofield & Company's Path to the Draft, brought to you by Battle Board Injury Lawyers. Need legal advice? Call 570-9000. John Von Tobel filling in for Steve Cofield today. We are continuing on this path to the draft, though, regardless of Steve Cofield's presence. Darren Urban, Arizona Cardinals reporter, is nice enough to give us some time. azcardinals.com, at Cards Chat, or up on Twitter. Uh, Darren, thank you very much for the time. Before we get started with the Arizona Cardinals, you know, a pressing matter uh, has popped up on social media that we need your opinion on. The worst cut of French fry. Classic, crinkle, curly. We could throw tater tots. You could throw in Chris Cut, anything. The worst cut French fry is what? I actually saw that earlier today. I, I suppose I would probably say crinkle. We see, we were talking. Why crinkle? The crinkle is very much hated. My wife hates crinkle cut fries. It, it, it you know, just by my judgment, it led the poll. Why is that? I, I don't know. I, and, and really, let's not go overboard and say they're, it's hated. You're, you're giving when you have a list of solid potato products like that, something's got to be last, and I think it's just crinkle. That's very good. That's a very reasoned way to look at it. Thank you very much. You, my hyperbole 
was not missed, and uh, you got it. All right, Darren. So let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals, 16th overall selection. So I wanted to ask you this because, you know, Arizona seems to have kind of gone the route of plugging up some of the holes on their roster uh, with a lot of moves, right? And some of these guys, uh, the ones that have garnered a lot of headlines, are big names but kind of on the tail end of their careers. So I'll ask you, after we've seen this offseason from Arizona and as we head into the month leading up to the draft, what is their primary need at this point in the NFL draft? Well, I mean, I think when you're talking about the draft, clearly a lot of the moves they've made are to, to clear up some some holes so that they don't have to necessarily go directly there with their first-round pick. I know that's the hope. Um, but, but as they stand right now, I, I think, I think any, any chance you have to have uh, a younger offensive lineman, uh, perhaps, or possibly more importantly, a cornerback. Now, at 16, it might be tough to get somebody that falls there. Um, but I, I would think cornerback right now is, is a place that they could use some youth uh, and, and to get a, a solid die to go forward now that they've lost Patrick Peterson. Yeah, the corner was the position I kept coming back to. And, you know, just kind of judging the room and seeing some of the big boards that are out there, Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, J.C. Horn, South Carolina, are two names uh, that have been really tied to the Arizona Cardinals at this point. One of the one of the positions that kind of stuck out to me uh, would be wide receiver. And I don't even know necessarily in the draft, but they're not done adding to the wide receiving core, are they? Oh, I, I think, I mean, they could potentially draft somebody. I don't right. think it would be in the first round. And but if they don't, uh, no, I don't think they would have to add anybody. They've got Hopkins, they've got Green, they've got Christian Kirk, they've got a couple of young guys that haven't panned out yet, but they can still use. And we're still kind of waiting on Larry Fitzgerald too. So uh, could they get another youthful receiver? Yes, but I don't see them spending a first round pick on a guy like a receiver. Yeah, if there so there was a report in the Athletic today that it looks like uh, Larry Fitzgerald is expected to retire before the 2021 season. If that's made official, uh, like a second round target, because this is a team right doesn't have a third round pick that went to Vegas for Rodney Hudson. I don't think they have a fourth rounder. Uh, so like this is a deep wide receiver draft, but I would think you get that receiver in the rounds like two and three, right? Yeah, I I mean it does seem like it's a deep receiver draft, and I would think that they would wait. And they've got other pressing issues right now. And and quite frankly, the way the receiver position is played out in the NFL, uh, you can find those guys that are just as good later on than trying to spend an early first-round pick when there's other premium positions I think you need to look at. So not a lot of draft picks, weird position at 16. Are they candidate to trade back to so they can get a little bit more capital and get a more favorable spot to select somebody they want? Oh, I don't think there's any question about that. They could absolutely yeah. trade back. Now, the question is, is I mean, that, that's something when you're picking 16, you're not trading back until you're on the clock yep. to see who's there, to see who would even be interested in trading up because it's great if you want to trade back, but somebody's actually got to want to trade up there. So uh, they're not going to be trading up. I don't think they have the ammunition, but they could trade back if, let's say, one of those cornerbacks isn't there or, or somebody they don't really love is there. I could absolutely see that happening. So as the free agency period has kind of calmed down here a little bit and we're in this little bit of a lull, uh, overall, what would you give this offseason for Arizona? What did you like and what did you not like? Well, I mean, I think they desperately needed to upgrade at center and the fact that they were able to trade for Rodney Hudson, yep. uh, which obviously you know very well, I mean, that's, 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 that's a level of, of player that they got at that position that I didn't think was possible. So uh, I give them incredibly high marks for that. And I do think I don't know what J.J. Watt is still going to be as a player. I don't. He's not going to be player of the year anymore, but I think he's got a chance to make an impact. 
And I think his impact in the locker room and just as a leader, I think was a really important move for them too. So uh, bringing in those, those type of guys, they've definitely gone after leadership. They've definitely gone after guys that, you know, people will listen to in the locker room. And I think it's important because I think there's a lot of pressure on them to make the playoffs. This year. Yeah, and I think the pressure, it might be a little bit on Kingsbury, right? What have you made of him up to this point? Because I, I think the one thing I've been disappointed with, Darren, and we're talking with Darren Urban, Arizona Cardinals reporter, um, about this path to the draft and the Cardinals offseason, I thought he'd be more aggressive as a play caller and as a young mind coming into the National Football League. And, and he hasn't really been the same aggressive guy, especially when it comes to short field goals and kind of settling for points. Uh, the pressure on Kingsbury coming into the season is at, at what level? Well, I mean, there's always nuance to it. I mean, yeah. that's part of the problem. I mean, they could, they, if they miss the playoffs, but there's certain reasons for it, it's going to be different as if they stay totally healthy and they blow some games or whatever it might be. So I, I don't like to get too deep into that part of it, but I will say that, you know, it, it, it's been a weird learning experience for him. He's had to kind of figure things out. I, I know people talk about the, the aggressiveness, but in fact, he, he goes for on fourth down quite a bit. I think some of the choices when they have gone forward on fourth down in terms of the play calls or maybe some of the, the ways they actually run the offense. And they've been hampered with their skill sets. They don't really have a true deep threat or, or an outside receiver to, to play out across from Hopkins. And I think that's what they're hoping A.J. Green can kind of help them with at least this year. And I think they needed to upgrade on the offensive skill set, and they needed to have Kyler Murray make another step forward this year. And I, I think that's going to tell a lot where this team goes. Yeah, what do you expect out of Murray? Two years so far, obviously, uh, 13 and 18 as a starter, but the numbers uh, in key areas have gone up, right? Completion percentage got better last year. Touchdowns uh, through six more. Yardage goes up. Yards per attempt goes up as well. I think there was a little bit of the second half where there was a slight kind of, you want to call it a sophomore slump, whatever it is, but the development of Murray, his, his by the way, and his uh, – his evolution as a runner as well, and not even just a design runner, but a scrambler. He's been absolutely fantastic. But your projection potentially for a third year under Murray? I think for him, and again, I think he needed some more skill guys around him that he was going to be willing to trust other than DeAndre Hopkins. They still need to figure some stuff out at running back. I mean, obviously, Kenyon Drake went to the Raiders. Uh, Chase Edmonds is probably going to be their starter, and I do think he's a pretty solid player, but I think they need another running back. To, to pair with him. Um, and I think Kyler needs to kind of figure out some stuff in terms of, you know, where he's more comfortable. Their, their intermediate passing game it hasn't been great. They can, they, they can hit the deep ball once in a while. And, and obviously with Cliff Kingsbury's background, they, they have the horizontal game where you're trying to get guys in space. They're, they're fine there. Um, but the, the, the down the, the, around the hash marks down the field, about 15 yards, that's still something that I think Kyler is still kind of working on as, as he grows, and, and I think that's another part of the game that they're hoping gets better, and, and maybe A.J. Green helps with that too. Yeah, so hopefully he can lead them to a 9-8 and eight record or better now that we have 17 games, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Darren Urban, again, at Card Chatter up on Twitter, Arizona Cardinals reporter. Darren, uh, thank you very much for the time today, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. No, you got it. Yeah, another detractor there, huh, Ari? Crinkle cut fries just can't get the respect they deserve. Good man, good man, good man. <laughs> Darren's a very good man. Yes, yeah, exactly. He's right though. He's absolutely right. A little hyperbolic. Not the crinkle cut fries are the worst. They're just the most expendable. 
which is obviously a very important designation. All right, second hour. Uh, we're not done with food, but we also have uh, a lot of news to get to in the world. Ari's very upset about something going down out here in Las Vegas. New England Patriots have released an asking price, it looks like, for one Jimmy Garoppolo. And we get to the NBA. Uh, what's that phrase? Something about glass houses and stones and all that kind of stuff. Better watch your back, man. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.